0: Before we start today's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Zencaster, which is a podcaster's best friend. Trust me when I tell you this Zencaster is like a Shopify for podcasters. It's all you need to get up and running as a podcaster. And the best thing about Zencaster is that you get so much stuff for free. If you are planning to check out the platform, then please show your support for the Founder Thesis podcast by using this link zen.ai slash founder thesis. That's zen.ai slash founder
1: thesis Hi, I am Vikas I am the founder and CEO of Moving I am very excited to be a at a podcast with Akshai Take
0: minute, let's ready do This could be a great intro
2: Every time there is a technology change in an industry, it leads to new giants being born Walmart was one of the most valuable retail companies in the US for many decades. And today, Amazon is worth more than double of Walmart. We can also see this in the EV space. Tesla is worth more than the legacy auto companies like Ford and GM combined. In India, this same story is currently playing out in the space of electric mobility. And I'm pretty sure that one of the winners after this period of disruption would be a company called Moving. That's M O V I N G. And as you can guess from the name, this is an EV company. Moving is building an EV mobility platform that combines all the pieces of the puzzle, from vehicle to financing to driver training to charging infrastructure using a layer of technology. And the man behind Moving's disruptive approach is vigash Mishra, a veteran in the EV space who started Moving with a mission to support the transition to sustainability in the logistics industry. Listen on to Vikash telling Akshay that about the ambitious platform approach of moving.
1: I, since I studied in Delhi, actually, we are very, you know, we are very used to walking in the campus, green air, the whole green campus, clean mm-hmm. air breathing. When I moved to Burga, I had to ensure that my kids wear masks while going to school, and this was not the same Delhi NCR that I used to study way back in two thousand. So I realized maybe I I want to do something about it because this is a problem that everyone is grappling with and I decided to call it quits in the oil and gas sector. And then I thought, okay, what is the new sector I want to be? I definitely was very clear that I want to be part of the EV sector, a clean sector. An electric vehicle was an opportunity for both in terms of whether it is a, a business opportunity and a sustainable opportunity. So electric vehicle was at the intersection of both the business opportunity and the sustainable opportunity. So that's where I started with Mitra Mobility, an electric bus startup. I, I set up the electric mobility initiative at Shakti Foundation, working with central government and the Delhi state governments and other state governments on various EV policy measures. And then I joined and for electric car business. And I was the business head for the North and the East, working with various corporates for our switch making, ensuring that all the employee transport that they do using a clean and electric vehicles, that was going all well till 2020. And I thought, you know, I have a perfect growth path, the electric vehicle is the future of mobility and uh, I'm at the perfect level of my career. And this is exactly what I want to do in life. But then this whole COVID uh, light did happen. And uh, within, uh, the whole passenger mobility came to a hilt. Everyone started working from home. There was no need for people to come to office and withdraw by home. So the whole passenger mobility took a downward hit. At the same time, I also observed that the e-commerce market is growing at an alarming rate. People who never ordered before was ordering left, right and center. And people who were used to ordering were increasing their order by 2x3 kind of thing. And I realized. This will lead to a huge demand of vehicles that is being used in the delivery segment. And there's a huge opportunity that this new demand is met by electric vehicles and not by traditional ice vehicles. And that's where the concept of moving was born. And I reach out to all the people that I worked with in my professional career. And I told this is the vision, I want to accelerate the adoption in India. I want to solve it in the ecosystem approach way. I want to solve it slightly differently because this requires a different mindset and different approach. And all surprisingly, I'd say that everyone I spoke to, they came and joined me. That, that time was not even in the paper in 2020. You're
0: doing a Logistics business definitely needs upfront investment, right? Like you need to buy the vehicles and you need to hire the drivers. And only after you start doing the delivery is when you get paid. So you need that working capital. So, you know, how did you like secure the capital to actually launch it?
1: Yeah. So That's a very good question. So normally, as I told before, all the friends in my ID Delhi campus days came in support of me. I reached out to them. They are in very good roles. They are, some of them have become investment bankers. Some of them have become a founder. Some of them become a private equity professionals. So they are veteran in this investment circle. So I reached out to a few of them and everyone without even seeing my deck, they wrote a check. And immediately within just few days. Uh, I was able to raise first 5 crores with the company without a pre revenue. And that gave me the confidence that, you know, that there's a vision that I have. There's a team that's backing the vision. There's a group of investors who are rallying behind me. So that gives me more and more confidence that we are, I'm on the right track. And I'll definitely give my everything that I have in my capacity to make the grand success.
0: What was the plan? Like, like when you were, when you must have made a deck before you reached out to your network for the seed round. What was it? Like, what was the focus? What, what did you like? You wanted to buy EVs and then do last mile delivery. Was that the plan, or what was it?
1: No, no the right plan was that electric vehicle adoption has multiple challenges. So if you have to accelerate the adoption of electric vehicle you need to solve the ecosystem challenges and when you talk about ecosystem challenges you talk about okay what is the right kind of product that you have to select from the right oem that's number one number two what is the right kind of charging infrastructure solution that you will have to build third how do you get the skill sets of train driver and all that's number three And for how do you solve for financing of electric vehicles? So once you have all these problems, you say, okay, we'll solve all these problems. But when we go to customers who are huge demand appetite to convert to electric vehicles, and I saw a lot many e-commerce players coming and saying of openly, be it like Flipkart, be it like Amazon, Big Basket, championing behind the cause of electric mobility. So there's a huge demand but at the same time, I realized the ecosystem challenges they don't understand and anyone who and they cannot solve for it. So we wanted to be a solution provider, uh, a technology based solutions for all the e commerce players. And we want to become a one stop solution for making them switch from current EV, uh, ICE based fleet to electric vehicle fleet. And whatever in the back end needs to be solved for, whether it's the right kind of product for the use case right kind of infrastructure, financing, and those drivers that we will solve as a moving technology platform. So that was the whole pitch that we are coming between the demand and the various puzzles of electric vehicle ecosystem. And we will provide the entire ecosystem as a service provider to this e-commerce player so they don't have to worry about making a switch. We will ensure that it is a seamless switch will ensure all the SLS that is applicable for the ICE vehicle is same uh, SNS for also the electric vehicles. And we give a better experience in terms of making the switch to electric vehicles. That was the pitch and most of the investors understood that the future of mobility is EV. And if I am coming there as a with a, with a plan and with a vision, then uh, with a team then much more willing to support that vision it was not a easy, it, it was a very easy thing to raise the fund the first 5 crores with a very simple business plan that we want to we have we have, we have understood the use case and we know that last mile delivery is a huge demand tension we know that it is very much cost competitive and we knew that the whatever product is available in the market in that two miller and three million segment is appropriate for adoption of EV in the segment. That was the whole story that we brought to the investors and most of them got it. Most of them, they wrote check and supported the vision. And also they were running behind me as an individual. That plan is everyone can make, but I think who was the man behind the plan this day as supporting me. So I also felt, felt first time huge responsibility on my shoulder to make it happen. But, you know, here, you know, people are putting a check behind you, whatever small note they are writing, but there's, there's a huge expectation on you and you have to meet the expectation. So you go with twice the energy, twice the enthusiasm, twice the excitement to make it happen. And that's where the entire team worked very hard for a one year period. And the last one year, we have gained the reputation of being the number one EV service provider brand in the country. So that's the payback we have given to investors in the last one year. So now you're
0: saying that you wanted to solve these four challenges. Let's talk about all four of those. Vehicle, charging, driver and financing. I'm assuming that these four challenges you would solve so that you you can run an EV logistics company, right? You're not like just providing like a tech product, but you're providing a service.
1: Correct, correct. See, tech is an enabler for us. we see. Also, one thing you need to understand is electric energy transition is a big thing that's happening in the world. And it's not just having a platform will solve today. Technology will always enable to scale and make it more efficient, but it will not be a solution in itself. So ultimately, hundreds of billions of dollars of oil and gas assets has to be converted into assets of solar panel to wind uh, wind farm to electric vehicle, to the charging infrastructure, that's the transition we are seeing. So I always believe that it's, it cannot be an asset-free mechanism. It's not only an app-based business. So it's a hardcore business. That's why people I, I got my team who has run the electric vehicle for 100 million electric clubs before, who understand the technology roadmap, who understand the business tech, who understand the B2B. So I got very experienced team with me because it was a big thing to move it's not an easy thing to so uh, customer doesn't want to see only one uh, piecemeal solution customer wants to see I want to outsource all my headache to you yeah 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 (laughs) they were well, like a,
0: they just want to switch the vendor, but not change anything else major, you know.
1: So instead of product, you know, which product, you know, right? charging infra, financing, they can't financing. So you know, it's all a, the product piece, right? There are, if you look at, i say, in terms of in typical ICE vehicle, you can go to a, you, know, you can talk, name three companies and you can go and buy a product. you know, Bajaj, you can go to Hero, you can go in our know, TBS but with three four brands, you will know which one to buy. Similarly for three brands, between three four brands, Atul Bajaj, Piaggio, you will know which one to buy. In any space, you have almost 40, 50 OEMs, and every week you will see new OEM coming in the market. Now how do you and how do you filter these OEMs who are going to give you a better product, match with the better service? and match with the long-term commitment to ensure supply of the electric vehicle. So that the selection is is our IP. So whenever we do a vehicle, we do a thorough testing of multiple conditions, multiple cities, multiple climatic conditions before we say yes to onboard a vehicle. So far, we have only onboarded three vehicles on our platform, three-wheeler, and only three or four vehicles in our two-wheeler platform. So, we are very conscious about making the first diesel right because if you get the product strategy right, then everything else that you will do will fit anyway. So, that was number one. So, by by choosing
0: the right product, it saves you from maintenance hassles and downtime. Like all of those things don't come and uh, it, it runs cheaper because if there's no downtime, if there's no maintenance, then it will be more productive.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you have, see, how does the vehicle make money? The vehicle makes money by running number of kilometers in a month, but also number of days in a month. That's what uptime is all about. So if your vehicle is performing as it was supposed to perform, day after day and kilometer after kilometer, then it's a good product. And if something goes wrong, if if the OEM is backing you up and providing you a world-class service to ensure that they feel the same pain as you are feeling the pain about the, uh, the downtime, then you have the right partner OEM to work with. So, there's those of the guides, right? So, that strategy has worked very much for advantage. Which uh, OEMs did you select? I selected, they also launched in February, January, February, which led into AltiGreen, which is a Bangalore based company. And then we have selected Oiler uh, Vehicles, which is a, a Delhi based company. Okay. So, manufacture they... in India or do they like yes. export from China? Piaggio manufactures, AltiGreen manufactures vehicle in Bangalore. And oil manufacturers' vehicle in uh, Faridabad, right? Delhi, etc. So, think about manufacture. But of course, there are elements of electric vehicle, be it in terms of uh, cell and also in terms of electronics, semiconductors. That component still has to be imported, but that's true for many automotive industry in general. So, there is a certain degree of localization that you can achieve by manufacturing in India. But of course, there are certain percentages that you cannot do. the current manufacturing setup so there's a partly dependent dependency on input still is there in the sector right so those are the makers we onboarded and then there was the first problem we found by getting the right product for the customer and that was a very huge thing because then customers started trusting our judgment on advising them on choosing the right product for the use case and in exchange We've also started educating customers about paying the different commercials for the different vehicle segment that we are offering, the same form factor. So in 3 wheeler for Piaggio vehicles, which are different commercial, in 3 wheeler for auditing vehicles, which are different commercial. And we always explain that in a very transparent way and why we are doing what we are doing and what is the advantage that you are going to achieve. Neither we want to oversell you a product that can be can be done by a a cheaper vehicle, neither I want you to force with the solution, the cheapest solution, which will not meet your use case required. So in that case, the customer started trusting us as a thought leader in the industry that we know that we are talking sense and we have a firm belief that we want to overall have a good EV experience with you. So customer likes, started liking about the product solution strategy. And then number two was about the charging infra. Right? Charging Infra is the case that people say, okay, how can you rely on other CPOs, let them build, why you want to do, build it all. So we realize, you know, the, the CPOs, there are so many CPOs in the country, you know, every day you'll see one more charging company coming up, the Mingda. But I think that if you ask them, what is your gut feel? What do you so believe? Why are you in the sector, you know? What is the location strategy? What is your location intelligence? What is the right hardware? What is the right software? Was technology completely lacking the understanding? Even the biggies the everyone is crafting their own narrative. Someone is saying battery slapping, someone is saying fast charging. Someone is saying slow charging. We say, I don't know. We have taken a view that we will be a technology agnostic company in terms of charging infra, which means. If the fast charging is going to work for our vehicle or for our customer, we'll adopt by fast charging solutions. If battery swapping is working for our customers for the use case, we'll go for battery swapping. If it's the slow charging, we'll go for slow charge. So we have taken a technology agnostic approach, and we have not married to any solution of the charging part. That's number one. That's a key decision. Number two, we want to location. We want to ensure that the the problem in India actually is that. Most of the char- if you, you'll get two things. One will say, oh, there, there's, there's no charging infra. But wherever there's a charging infra, you will say the utilization is about 5%. So once you have it, have a lower utilization, well, then also you complain that you don't have it. So we wanted to solve this problem in one, one shot. We'll say we'll only create at location where we see the demand happening here and now. So let's say we'll do a mapping of a geo-special mapping of entire city and we will see which location warehouse is located because they are my my current customers also and they are my potential customers also. So that location intelligence gave me the idea where to set up the charging infra where from one single charging hub within the three to five kilometer radius I will be able to meet the requirements of multiple multiple customers. So that was the location intelligence. Second, we know uh, what is the kind of vehicle they are asking for. So we already know what kind of charging infra solution we have to provide from a hardware perspective. And we know that we need to, we will always be a data and technology driven company. So how do we make it smart charger? How do we collect the data from every charger and bring it to our, our, our server and how to use of it. So those will, and, and in our charge hence our charging infra is 70 to 80% utilized. None of the CPUs charging infra is 70 to 80% utilized. Number two, now, other CPUs have come to us now and say, can we use your charging infra? Because we find that this location that you have set up charging infra is very good. We find that the way you are setting up your hardware and software is very good. So now we have, now we have, we started with the delivery business, I say you are right. But now because people are liking our charging infra strategy, they are coming up other fleet operators who maybe are competitors also. They are coming us and they are coming us, and, and they are, uh, started using our charging infra also. And I'm a firm believer that I will always, mo- moving will always be an open ecosystem platform approach, which means it's like a telecom network. You move from Jio to Vodafone to Airtel, it's a seamless switch. Similarly, the way you build a charging infra network should be like a telecom network. You may move from moving charging point to Magenta or with any charging point operators. It should be a seamless switch from a user perspective and that is the mindset. I want other uh, CPUs to also collaborate with us and some of them have come to us and we are already collaborating and sharing data. So that's part of the charging infrastructure strategy that we have solved it. We have solved two things. One, we have solved, it's a cost effective solution. So we only do fit for purpose and we do always do well. We have 70 to 80% utilization we see. So that is how we build our network. So, because of that, our charging infra itself is a profitable business. It can be a profitable business if you start charging, if moving delivery can be paid to the moving charging business, it will be a profitable business as well. If
2: you like to hear stories of founders, then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion dollar businesses. Just search for the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify, Ghana, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to the show.
0: You could have also partnered with a solution provider and told them, set up charging infra for me here and here. Like, why did you decide to build rather than work with the that. vendor?
1: We did okay. that. We did that. Hmm. We initially, you know, the moment you do a lending post, just say you'll get 10 charging providers in the country, uh, when one lending post. So if I do like a month, in month, if I do two posts, I get 20 charging points providers want to work with, with moving. But when you give the actual task, okay, this is the location, because we know the location. This is the city. This is the location. This is what we want. Do struggle? Then they ask us, no, we can't provide this. We can't provide this. But you, we can give you that. Then I realize that neither they have the financial resource, neither they have the real estate understanding capability, neither they have their own hardware, neither they have their own software. So basically, I think, in mindset of the people is like a petrol business. The moment you put a tender of petrol business, you will see hundred applications coming for I think charging Infra is a thought leader business, leadership business. If you are a thought leader, you understand the sector, you understand the nuances. Then only really should be in the sector. You should not be just for the sake of fun. Uh, I think most of the companies are coming for the sake of fun. So I tried and we failed. We visibly failed, uh, except for one or two. We miserably failed. Then I realized none of the people more <laughs> know about it. And I think helping them educate, helping them learn, helping them become aware. So right now, Moving Academy is not a part of the business model. Actually, but I think in going future, if I start Moving Academy, then probably then I will I will I will, I will charge the enrollment fees for all the CPOs to come and learn from us. Uh, but I tried, I don't think, I'm still open. So we have signed uh, a contract with all the top CPOs in the country and one or two cases we are using it also. But I think we are not happy with our uh, ability to uh, scale up with speed, at least the speed we're very really comfortable with. Actually, I'll, one thing I'm very clear was that I'll never compromise on the speed part of it. So either you match up with my speed, moving speed or uh, you will be left behind. So somehow we have not been able to, uh, not been a single player who's been able to match our speed. Because in this uh, last one year, I'd say we have set up 20 charging hubs already, which which, which which is having about 500 plus charging points. I don't even know any of the CPUs have that kind of network in the country. This year we have planned to uh, add 80 more. So we become 100 charging hubs and we are getting more flagship hubs now, the bigger scale, 15,000 square feet kind of thing. And if you are in Bangalore, sometime you should come and visit. It's a state-of-the-art charging infra we are building, which even global peer will uh, appreciate that. You could come there if you have a Tata Nexon, you can come and charge at our place. If you have an MG Hector, you can charge at place. If you have a simple three-wheeler Paj, which vehicle you can come and charge at place. If you want to swap your vehicles, you can come and swap at the place. Because the way I have thought, the way we have thought, that it has to be a form factor agnostic. That means two-wheeler, three-wheeler, and four-wheeler can be charged. It's a medium agnostic. It's, whether it's a Piaggio vehicle or the Ashok vehicles or the Tata vehicles, will give the same respect to all those vehicles, all, all, all those OEMs. And third, I don't understand which technology is going to win, whether it's a fast charging, slow charging or the battle swapping. So whichever is is available now, will provide that solution and it will time it will tell which technology is going to win and we'll go with the winner. We are also setting up a maintenance and service center. So how, what is the right kind of maintenance service required for electric vehicles? And we are building the whole driver training program, a big center for because we want our drivers to be trained in the new sector. And that's what we are building. So uh, tell me
0: something, is there laptops, mobiles, everything is converging towards USB-C as the charging port. Is there something like that in EVs, like a common charging port template or format, like you have USB-C and laptops and phones?
1: Yeah, see, there are two kind of things uh, standardization here. So one is in terms of what is the up, up, upstream supply that you're coming receiving from the power load kind of thing. So that for slow charge is the 16 amps plug point. So that is standard. For a fast, fast charger, you will have a 30 kilowatt, 50 kilowatt kind of load. So that part is standardized. What happens when, what is the device you're putting up inside your vehicle? That part is not standardized, right? So, for example, your iPhone. Will require a different charger. Your uh, HP laptop, different charger. So that is a multiple charger point. So that is go- that is is going to be there. Uh, it it there's a lot of talk going on in terms of standardization and all. But I personally think it's not a big problem because we have been acc- accustomed to use iPhone chargers and, H- and, 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 and HP chargers. So if you can, if you are used to that, having a different mobile and different charging points. I think for electric vehicles, we should be comfortable having a different charging points uh, for different vehicle types. So, I am not a big uh, hung up on the standardization debate. Okay. Now, let's talk about drivers. How did you yeah. fix that? No, no. So, the problem with the drivers is, know drivers is used to dri- driving a ICE vehicle, right? They are, they are used to noise and they link noise with speed. So, they know how bad the vehicle is making noise. That is how speed they are running. That's number one. Number two, their acceleration is all about consuming more fuel and this has no meaning. There, you drive 50, you drive 60, doesn't matter. When it comes to electric vehicle, the way you are able to get more range out of the vehicle, it depends upon how you do the speed management. If you run a vehicle at 45 kilometers the steady state, you are getting better range. Although, the design speed is 60 kilometers per hour. Similarly, if you are not putting putting a brake and and it, you are also able to regenerate some of the the charge that's lost. So, all this behaviors require. What is the best way of getting the uh, right from, uh, from the vehicle is very much driver dependent. Hence, we we track a lot of data for drivers in terms of when he put the brake, when he put the acceleration, how much the battery degrade, how much the battery charge fall, and we use the data to there are two kind of training program. One is before uh, taking electric vehicle, we train them about the electric vehicle. The voice different. How to charging? How to the, that That's why. There's also quite uh, learning by doing kind of thing. So that's why we use a lot of data driven approach. So look, he was a driver. He got 80 kilometers out of this range because he did X Y Z thing. You got 60 kilometer because you do A B C. Hence, if you do X Y Z, you can also do A B C. That's the kind of live data driven training we provide to our drivers. And we feel that is a core differentiation covered compass to reskilling and rebuilding the manpower that's required for the driver thing. So, that's so the, this data, like vehicles come equipped with sensors
0: to capture the data or is it something you customize?
1: We customize it. So we have our own hardware device that we provide in each of the vehicle that we operate. Every vehicle then then uh, throws the standards data to our server. And then we do our, our own data science team, uh, analyzes the data in terms of the soon and server. So that's the piece that we add on top of whatever OEMs providing. Otherwise it's very difficult to get multiple uh, OEMs, some giving two data, some giving no data, and then you can't do anything on, on, on your part. So that's something we have uh, uh, a very clear strategy on what is the right telematics hardware. How do we collect all the data? How do we store the data? And what do we control data? Is a very really clear strategy of ours. How did you know that you had to do this? Because
0: this just sounds like something which people would learn through mistakes. Like you <laughs> bought vehicles and your driver screwed it up, and then you realize that this. Mm-hmm. Is that how you
1: learned it? Or, or did you already know that we need to do this? Already knew because, see, last four or five years, I have been working in this electric vehicle space, but I'm only one face of the company. But there are like, you know, a hundred member team who's also well in vehicle space. So there are people who have come from telematics company and the data company who have done this telematics solution for a lot many players. But they are part uh, of my team. They are finding the right partner and the right way to do it. And the last leg, which is financing. Yeah. now Financing is nice that, you know, uh, driver will never be legal. At this stage, financing the driver is a huge thing because the big boys are not participating in this game. They are saying, Okay, we will see when the future of technology will come and then we'll decide what to do. But I think there are not well, you know, what do you mean by big boys? Like the big boys yeah, It of- like, like SDFC, I C I C I, you know so the you know, the Siraal finance, they're like vehicle financing people. think that, you know, the future is not yet there. One well, well, we quick question b- before we talk about this. Uh, does the driver buy the vehicle or does the company buy the vehicle and get we to like- We want to. We want driver to buy the vehicle. But problem is, if you are not sure about the company and the product, how can you ask a driver to go and buy the vehicle? So our modus operandi is, first, few vehicles will buy it on the company's book. We'll get our drivers to run the vehicle for five, six months. Once the driver gets comfortable with the vehicle, comfortable with the electric as a product, and then when they say, I'm ready to become a micro-entrepreneur, we have the financing to become a DCO. But till the driver comes, uh, is a life cycle for a, uh, for, for a driver. But till the time driver uh, wants to become a DCO, he is he is riding the vehicle which is owned by or leased by a uh, company. Right? What is DCO? DCO is like driver come owner model. So basically, driver is also the owner of the vehicle. So basically, driver then become buys the vehicle, and we give them assured revenue because we have a back to back contract with the e-commerce players. And he gives the confidence that what is the earnability of the vehicle and how much he can save more by moving from driver to become a micro DCO. So standard, that, this, this is, is like
0: France. standard industry norm that that no uh, drivers don't uh, that uh,
1: companies don't buy drivers buy. Like this DC. In the typical two-wheeler and three-wheeler space, it's a driver who owns the vehicle. But getting a vehicle finance for a driver, for a diesel vehicle and CNG vehicle is easier because they also know which vehicle to buy. OEM also know which vehicle to sell. Financier also know which vehicle to finance. When the moment you come to EV, the driver doesn't know which vehicle to buy. OEM doesn't know which vehicle to get finance, how to get the finance. And the financials have completely closed in terms of what vehicles to finance. But so that, that becomes an unsolvable problem. So we come in midfield and say, okay, I want to buy X from this dealer. You finance, you better finance it to us. Let the driver experience it. Once the driver experiences that I will share the data to the financial also, that he has been working with us for last six months and he has been working with us and he has been earning a decent income to us. So, you also become bankable in that sense. So, that is how we graduate the drivers to become a DCO through mm-hmm. our platform. So, say,
0: Delivery, Ecom Express, typically they don't own any of the vehicles, they, their drivers own it,
1: correct? So, they, they outsource drive transport. So, Delivery is a logistics company. Uh, delivery is also our customer. Their transport part is completely outsourced to a provider like us. And we are the partner for electrification. So all the electric vehicle that happens in delivery, it happens via us. And
0: when uh, a driver decides to become a DCO, does he then acquire that car which he's been driving or, yeah. or do you help him get financing for a new car? New, right?
1: car, new car. See, actually, when you... When you want to buy uh, any new thing, will you prefer to buy a home which you are staying on rent? Probably 90 percent will say no. Oh, I'll buy a new. Uh, so that is the option we give to vehicle, to the new vehicle to them, to the drivers. So it's a day one he is owning the vehicle, day one he is renting the vehicle. That is the preference. However, we are also having a program when the driver says, "Oh, no, I'm very comfortable with this vehicle now. I've been running this for one year, so I would like to repurchase this vehicle only." So what we'll do is if a typical new vehicle is about three 36 months EMI, this if the vehicle is already completed to one year, then we'll only pass on the 24 months EMI to the driver. So he gets he he becomes free of the EMI grade faster, but he also but he also knows that he is taking a vehicle which he was running anyway for one year. So that transparency will break. Yeah, okay. And the driver gets a salary, or uh, is it a, like
0: a pay per kilometer or something like that? Like, like how's the driver paid? Like, like when he so joins
1: initially? Assured, so initially, when he does initially, we give a assured income to him that if you work for twenty six days for this many working hours, then you will get a fixed component of it, right? On top of that, if you are performance based incentive, we give. That if you deliver the sum of orders or if you maintain in the time when you run the vehicle a nice way, if you meet the customers like a piano, on top of that, we drop it from a more incentive for them. So there's a base level salary. On top of that, there's an incentive that we provide to the drivers. So there's a motivation to be, uh, be more professional in meeting the requirements of the customers. Okay. And DCOs, do they get paid something like that? No. no. So DCOs also what we have done is we have given an assured. See, what's happening actually in the EV space, in the cost of the the capex is higher. Our typical single is about 3.7, 3.8 lakhs. The EMI burden is also on the higher side. Unlike Ola and Uber, where a driver doesn't know how much he's going to earn today. We give a fixed daily return on that driver attendance. So that he is able to meet his AMI, he is able to meet his regular charging and parking expenses. On top of that, also after paying all these things, whatever he is able to save is much more than at least twenty to thirty percent more than what he was earning as a driver. That much he is we assure by giving him a minimum one shift job. Now beyond that point, if he wants to do more, for example, let's say a day shift is about eight hours uh, uh, a day shift, he also wants to do a milk delivery in the morning. run Or a vegetable for delivery in the morning. run. Then we also give them the option of half a day shift more. And that case is already recovered. His EMI is already covered. His uh, charging and parking space expenses so only the incremental operational cost is there So it always increases for the, the whole motivation that we have and say is that how do we make sustainable mobility back with the sustainable livelihood of a driver? That is what what we are aiming for. And that is what we are focusing. On. Okay, and you have NBFC tie-ups
0: to do the funding of the vehicle on behalf correct. of the driver, right? Right, correct, right. Okay. correct.
1: So we have tie-up with all the financial institutions. Earlier they were financing us. Now the same uh, partners are also willing to finance our drivers <laughs> because there is a income guarantee. So therefore, correct, mm. we give them income guarantee, and we also tell them. On a monthly basis, how many vehicles ran? What was the driver attendance? How was driver performance? What was done? The... So, so basically, actually what we want to solve is a data and technology platform that don't make an impression of any community or any technology on your own. Look at the data, see the data, and based on data you make your insights. Don't punish the ninety-five percent of the driver for five percent of the driver who didn't pay in time. Right. So that's the education we have to do with the financials.
0: Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Let's talk about the revenue part of the business now. So how do you charge your customer? Is it a per kilometer or a per order or what is that model like?
1: Most of our contracts are based on per vehicle, per month kind of contract. Some of the early contracts are on the per order model, but we are also slowly moving in terms of minimum guarantee on the order. So the base level revenue is protected. And on top of that, there's an incentive if you do more orders. So, I will say uh, we were uh, having a contract both in terms of fixed revenue per EV per, part, per per vehicle. Largely, for three-wheelers, it is the same way. For two-wheelers, uh, half of them is in the per month fixed contract Almost half of them is more in terms of per order kind of contract so there's only two wording in the two okay
0: okay so when a company is taking per vehicle are these like like say delivery these kind of logistics companies who take the whole vehicle or are these like even a Amazon Flipkart
1: would take both so uh, Flipkart Amazon delivery all of these players I have a fixed requirements of the vehicles and they okay
0: okay, okay.
1: so they plan the
0: remote system. and uh, and all of that correct. they just take correct. the vehicle from you correct
1: correct vehicle so we provide the entire source of the vehicle plus driver plus charging infra whatever is required to run that operations using electric vehicles we provide that why don't they just uh, do this on their
0: own because like a DCO means that they don't need to invest assets. they just need to arrange financing for drivers so why don't they do this on their own why do they outsource to you Because they're taking care of the route mapping and all of that on their own only.
1: Think about it, say like a Flipkart will have uh, about 25,000 to 30,000 vehicles. If they start managing and working with 25,000 DCOs, it'll become a hell of a task. So rather than becoming an e-commerce company, they'll become a transport company. We come in between as a professional organization and say in the end we'll manage everything. If the vehicle doesn't work, we'll replace it. If the driver doesn't work, we'll replace it. So we will take care of the entire SLA of your requirements. You only mm-hmm. have to think about paying us on a monthly basis. If that is a better model, or you buy entire 25,000 vehicles, you get the driver, and then you manage the daily hassle of paying the EMI and doing the maintenance, which in the uptime to, to, to the charging in front and all. It's a humongous task. It's humongous task. I, I don't think in, in India, it'll never be happened that we this old company will take back all the, well, that they are doing now in an outsourcing fashion, that they will like to take it back one fully controlled way.
0: Okay. Uh, so, h- how much do you? And obviously, it will be different for a two-wheeler or a three-wheeler. But give me some idea. Like
1: a typical, a typical three-wheeler, depending upon the which way, which OEM, which brand, which range, which battery capacity, you are deploying, like, We make anything between forty thousand to fifty thousand rupees per month. This is the top line. The so part it. of it. Some part of it oh, goes to the
0: driver, some part...
1: and This is the invoice that we raise. As a moving company, we raise the invoice to the customer, right? So whether it's a DCO or, or, or it's a uh, vehicle owned by us, ultimately, that's how the backend will follow. If it's a DCO, then we will just keep our commission and we'll pass the entire amount to the driver. If it's a vehicle owned by us, then we will uh, pay the EMI, we'll pay the driver's salary, we'll pay the charging parking expenses, and we'll pay the rent expenses, and rest becomes you know, what blue that's how the whole thing was in the three-wheelers space. And what about is what like about ten percent, twenty percent? So, like, so if you remove all the uh, all the cost of the driver and uh, everything, then it some it will come somewhere between ten percent to fifteen percent depending upon contracting. Two wheeler, a typical two wheeler will make anywhere between twenty thousand to twenty five thousand per month. And if it's a driver and you pay for all this uh, EMI and everything else, then again here it will be like ten percent, fifteen percent margin that you. will. Essentially, it seems to me that this is a
0: supply driven business. The key driver is supply. If you were to add thousand more vehicles in a month, then your turnover would automatically be thousand into that X number that you're earning per vehicle like the correct. only constraint is how fast you can increase supply correct demand, demand is there for the taking there's no want,
1: that's the beauty of this in this sector i that any amount of time the contract that we have signed is and the vehicles that we have committed is 25 times more than the vehicles that we have committed so what is the best you cannot ask for anything better than this but then at the same time we don't want to ensure supply of cheap, underrated vehicles to them. Then you lose the confidence in electric vehicle as a sector from the customers. So we want to we want to provide a solution that is matching the expertise of the customers. That is matching the experience of the ICE vehicle. At the same time. How many EVs are you adding every month right now? So uh, right now we are at this phase where we are adding about 150 to 100 vehicles per month. Okay. Uh, but we would like to increase it to 500 and uh, eventually to 1000 vehicles per month. Hmm. And what is your current size? Total number of vehicles? Right now we have about 750 fleets. Out of which 450 is about two wheeler. And uh, 300 is about uh, three wheeler.
0: So, currently, yeah, uh, the way I see it, your two challenges are one is that 30 lakhs for every 30 vehicles, how to bring that number down, or mm-hmm. how to make the number of vehicles higher, like 30 lakhs for 100 vehicles instead of 30 lakhs for 30 vehicles. And second is how to increase from 150 per month to 500 per month. Right. So, what is the solution? Is, is the solution more money, or is, what is it like?
1: like- no, we have passed those concerns. First six months were a difficult period when no one believed in us, and we didn't have numbers to show. Now we have numbers to show. We have customer contract, we have financial. I think it's ability of the top selected OEMs that we have selected their ability to supply those vehicles to us on a monthly basis. That is where the challenge. Okay, they are not able to meet your demand right now. Correct. 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 So that, so that the moment you have a you know, global situation, something happens, the whole global supply chain disrupts and then one is dependent on the other. And uh, let's say that there was a four weeks of lead time, now it will take other uh, eight weeks of lead time. So that's where the whole planning becomes bad. That's why in this year, at least starting of the year, I have given a firm demand to all the OEMs for the entire year. If I we have given them order and visibility till 31st March of 2023. So that they can plan in advance in terms of what is the number of vehicle that uh, parts, battery, uh, motor that they have to buy to suppliers. So that is something that I'm hoping that uh, this year it will be much better supply situation. But I will be more confident when I see things happening on the ground.
0: So you're planning to buy what about five 6,000 vehicles in the next Three one year?
1: Three years. So 2500. We have given the order of 2500 vehicles to Piaggio. We have given the 1,500 vehicles order to Altigreen. We have given 1000 vehicles order to Oiler. not look similar. We are talking to a very elite, respectable OEM in the four-wheel sector. We have signed. We have signed an MOU of 1000 footers. Whenever it's out in April, or May, when. We out. We have signed the MOU for 1,000 electric wake as four wheeler truck from the leading OEM. And then I think roughly about or five five thousand we also with two wheelers. That's how we see it. My guess is that we should be very close to ten thousand watts by thirty first March twenty twenty-three. As all the supply I'm talking about actually happens. But I don't see a problem with the demand uh, side. So. Yeah. Uh, this four wheeler would be like the
0: Baruti Omni kind of a four wheeler. That's it's typically used. A, it's in tr-
1: it, 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 it like a like, uh, bigger version of Tata Ace thing or was it it's like like you know, somewhere between one to two ton uh, category uh, four wheelers. So not more like a good segment uh, that is what we are targeting.
0: That's
1: something service. that can be used for
0: delivering washing machines or refrigerators. Yes, or, yes. Or, yes. Or, and or, the, course, course. the use case
1: yeah. increases, right? <laughs> so right now. Where I'm struggling where is that how do I mean the need of ITC and HUL? How do I mean the need of IKEA? The need of large, say, the e-cover segment like TV, fridge and all. Uh, that is, we don't have the solution yet. But I think by having this kind of product in our portfolio, we'll be able to infuse the use case uh, of the same customers in the way. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Right. So uh, all of these consumer product companies
0: are also potential customers for you, be it FMCG or... Uh, wide good companies so, or, or even say a mobile phone company you would also need
1: definitely the moment you have a full solutions support the whole it opens a huge opportunity a number of currently in the forward segment today the demand of phone winner is seven times of three three million right so if, if, if you if you, you see the customer we are facing in the three-wheel market, if you go to four-wheel market, when we are requiring not five hundred thousand acres per month, we require much more volume of that, mm-hmm. right, and, then, right, right. and then the whole supply story has to be much mm-hmm. more staged up. So let's see what happens. Now. I mean, I, I, that that's the part I am not very confident about. I saying in India, finding a supplier like so find finding finding a, finding a uh, good supplier of a good product with a very good after-sales service and a network where they can work with us in. 30 cities in India. That is the the only thing that that I'm losing my sleep on. Yeah, Like you told me, it it costs
0: you an extra expense of 30 lakhs for every 30 vehicles you add. So uh, how do you plan to optimize that?
1: Good. So a large part of that goes in the lease security deposit. So it's not like an actual expense, but it's more like a capital lock-in, which is refundable. Okay, uh, for the charging t- station, Yeah, because in you know, Bangalore, you have a 10 months. of So we are negotiated to bring that 10 months to, you know, 3 months and 6 months. And that's a huge one-third of the cost is that. And if you can reduce by one-third, that's one part of it. Right? Second part is that we've also learned in terms of the hardware cost. Uh, earlier, we used to give order of 10 lots, 10 chargers, 5 chargers. Just now in this break time, I approved uh, 200 charges right now. So we have scaling up and we already see a 10% cost coming down by using for scale. So rather than doing a one charge, uh, we do a pan-India kind of tie-up and uh, we supply. So that's the second, we are usually 10%. And then we are also taking, uh, we, we have not yet applied for the subsidy. There's a 10 lakh of subsidy you get for every charging how you make for public use. Since we are allowing our charging hub to be used for any public, if we get 10 lakh subsidy, we can not further reduce. So I'm pretty confident if I do all three measures there, we can reduce that by anyway, easily by 50 to 60%. What about serving more
0: vehicles per charging plant or charging center? Like
1: That is easy because what is happening is right now, all our vehicles, so, this 30 charging vehicles are being charged at the same time, right? So that means after largely these vehicles are used for in the daytime for delivery, and the night time it's used for charging. Now in the daytime, the entire uh, charging hub stays empty. So that's why we are tying, with, uh, tying up with batteries shopping centers because battery shopping centers people use in the daytime. So we are able to recover cost from battery shopping centers. So what we'll do is while our cost per square foot in the capex part will still be in a per square foot fixed cost. Our revenue will be always in terms of measure, in terms of number of units you are able to push in a 24-hour period, right? So the night part, we already have solved it. We had to solve for day part, and that's why we are tying up with battery shopping centers and the fast charging by people to give that daytime solution also. So once you have nighttime, daytime, all operating the charging hub a 25-7 operations, then you will be able to push more number of kilowatt hour into the vehicle from the same charging hub. And hence... Your uh, your your revenue will be m- much higher that way. So I'm pretty confident we can reduce the cost, capex part, and we can increase the revenue by providing all the solution. Mm-hmm. Plus, by opening it up to
0: public again, that's like data utilization. Correct.
1: So we'll convert more of all our charging hubs and start locations to over to public. We are just working on the app now. Our version of app should be ready by end of March. So that time it will be already almost one thousand charging points will be live with smart chargers all available on our app and also through our partner app also. So whether you use other people app or our, our app, you are able to use our charging info.
0: Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Okay.
1: So the app is needed to book and pay too?
0: Uh, Correct. Or to into take availability?
1: It. Okay. okay. Into, it, into it. Whether it's available, it's available, then book the slot. Once you book the slot, you come and do the charge of the vehicle. And after doing the charge, you pay for the weight. So the end-to-end uh, process is all happens through the app. So that's something that is a work in progress. In parallel, we are building the charging points anyway, which we are using for captive captive use. So while the technology development is happening in parallel, we are building the network day by day and week by week and month by month.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Tell me about the space now. Let's like zoom back a little. So who are the other players who are also doing this EV focused uh, logistics service?
1: Yeah. So there are many players who have been a strong player in the ICE vehicle logistics player and they also want to do EV. So that I'll categorize them as whether it's Mahindra logistics, whether it's a transport, whether it's Kogos. They have traditionally been ICE based player and now they are also converting some of the fleets to electric vehicle. Then there are pure play EV player who have only EV fleet, they only provide EV as a service. It's more like a Zip, Zingo, Smarty, also the Lightning Logistics is there. So there are players also like that who only do EV. So both kind of competition is there in this space? These only EV players, do they do all two-wheeler, three-wheeler, four-wheeler? Mahindra Logistics, I think Zip focuses more towards two-wheeler than only Vencia. Lightning Logistics does largely two-wheeler, largely in south focus. Our, our philosophy has been: we will do all four factors, whether it's a two-wheeler, three-wheeler, or four-wheeler. And we'll also do the pan-India kind of thing. So we will not be positioning ourselves as a north player or a south player or a west player. We are a pan-India player. And wherever customer wants us to grow and expand with them, we are willing to go and expand with them. So that's uh, been, been our positioning mm-hmm. segment. And I think none of
0: these other EV start, uh, EV logistics startups are building their own charging infra. They would be using charging service providers.
1: They are using charging providers. They are using. They are coming to us also for using the charging providers. But even if they are building it, they are always thinking from a captive perspective. What is my requirement? And our thinking is more from a what is the network requirement. So let's say if this is the place where all the warehouses are there then whether it's a moving or any other providers, they have to provide this kind of services. So you are essentially doing more full stack approach. That is the only way going to work. So that unless you take a full stack approach, unless you take a ecosystem approach, you are not going to win this EV play because there are many play in the EV ecosystem, right? There's an OEM play, there's a uh, charging play, there's a technology play, there's a service play. But the moment you do an element of it and say I'll only do a charging play, for a long period of time, the path to profit- profitability will always be a question mark. If you say I will only do delivery, I will outsource all the driver problem will also all the power problem, I will also all the charge problem, you will never with money in delivery business. So you have to look at the problem in totality, you have to provide offer the solution in totality to that customer. And that's how we are thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: okay. So, like you have about 750 vehicles in your fleet. How does that compare to other players? The top players have what kind of numbers?
1: I'll give you the other way of thinking it. We are the number one buyer of Piaggio electric vehicle in the good segment. So, we are the number one customers of all the volumes that they have sold. We have procured about 25 to 30% of the vehicle, the Pan-India level. Number two supplies AltiGreen. We are like 30% to 40% purchasers of that overall product they have sold. Oiler, and we are almost like 50%. So, of the products that we have decided to onboard and we have decided to put our, we are the number one in the segment. But when it comes to actual number, you know, Zip has been there for the last four years and they are largely tool to focused. So, your actual count perspective, I think uh, they will be on the higher side than us. Hmm. If I look for my, not
0: by the much, end of next year, like based on your plans, I think you would like probably beat everyone else.
1: We will beat in terms of revenue and profitability for sure. Other metrics doesn't. So I, I, for me, vehicle is just a nominal figure to achieve a revenue target. It is not an end in itself. So if even the composition of the fleet becomes very important, what is the percentage of two-wheeler, three-wheeler, four-wheeler segment? And then accordingly, your revenue number will become what was stable all. So that's why, for me, we want to be number one player from a revenue perspective and a profit perspective. That will be for sure. I think because I, for all the customers that we serve, we are the number. So at one, way of looking things is from an OEM perspective. Brands that we deploy, we have a number one customer for them. For all our customers, be it Flipkart, be it, big basket, be it Uran, be it Thel- clients. We are the number one EV provider for them. Right? So both from a demand perspective and the supply perspective, you can correlate and say we are the number one there for the industry. Now, now, if you are, that, 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 that means I'm only talking about, I have, uh, preferably chosen only the OEMs that we are working with and I have preferably chosen only those brands as a customer that we work with. But the other way to look at it is if you're not working with the top OEMs if you're not working with the top suppliers, do I even consider them as a competition or not? So that's how I, I see it. Like how, Why do we, I think why we are number one, that's the why we are number one. Say a couple
0: of years down the line, what do you think your revenue mix will be? Because when Source of revenue is, of course, what the e-commerce and other companies give you for logistics service. But then you would also be getting revenue from the charging stations, right? So so what do you think you'd be looking at your revenue mix as?
1: In financial year 2025-26, we will have a revenue of $1 billion. That revenue will come from four business. One is a delivery business. And that will be large part of the revenue because that's a customer willingness to pay and customer volume is highest. That's one. Charging business is our enabler business for us that we will do it anyway. But rather than becoming a cost center, we want to make it a reference center. That's number two. So that will be another business for us. Then, on third business, we will also take out a financing business. I know, actually, why? Because right now we are doing all for good. We are giving all the leads to the financial companies. We are providing all the collateral services for the financial companies. But there's a hidden intention behind it that ultimately become a payable service. We will start charging those financial companies either the commission fees or the platform fees. So that is the financing thing we will start a business with. And the fourth, which is a platform business. Where, whether it's an insurance company, whether it's an OEM company, they are helping, we are giving them DCO. So we will give them the commission fees. Uh, we are already getting some of the insurance companies. When you provide a database analysis and insights to OEMs or the financiers, we'll do some kind of that That platform fees as well. The whole platform fees will also become a part. It will be a huge part of it. But when it comes to marginability, delivery will be the lowest margin but the highest revenue contributor. Platform fees will be the thing with the highest margin contributors. overall. the ecosystem perspective on a One a million with a very good double-digit uh, profit margin we want to make it yeah.
0: Amazing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The uh, fintech play sounds pretty interesting to me. L- like you could actually become a fintech with pick up funds at say 7, 8, 10%. Exactly. And then, and then exactly. let's start at 15, 16% and run the fintech in-house.
1: In fact, we are doing that and I'll tell you actually what we are doing. Why? From 1st of April, we are, see actually we have startup because of startup. You know, uh, both me and Ragang comes with the experience of 20 years plus me coming from energy and mobility space and Ragang Jain who was my hostel mate, chemical engineering department mate and the IIT mate. He comes from a private equity background. So within my we can we understand the landscape of energy, mobility, and finance in a very good way. And hence with some of the reasons that we are taking at one year of startup is a beyond the imagination of any other startups. For example, as you do your feedback thing, I'll tell you how we are thinking about it. From 1st of April, maybe we are reorganizing the entire organization structure of the company. So moving when we are a platform company. Under the platform company, there will be two subsidiaries. One subsidiary will be a charging charge code that we moving charge. And other company will be a FinTech company, FinServe. And within the FinTech, we may go for NVFC ourselves. If we don't go for that, and we say that no, anywhere we are having data, anywhere we are assuring demand, anywhere we are providing all service to financing, what is the value added to that, that, to that, for only value that they the capital. Hence, we are creating this other structure. So when we go to investor, anyone who was interested in the FinTech part, that's okay. You become part, you, you take part in this in the the server. Similarly, infrastructure play, we are taking a very different way. A lot of oil and gas companies, infrastructure companies, they are much more comfortable with the long play in the infrastructure part. They don't mind owning an asset and which you can pay a stable return. So we'll sell that infra part to them and say you can come and participate and do that the thing. But the platform team will are always going to talk because whether the platform will serve the contract of the e-commerce players. How
0: much fundraise do you need to do to hit uh, the 1 billion top line which you're planning?
1: See, our thinking is that we will need 200 to 300 million dollars to build this in a proper way. But it doesn't have to all come in one way or one time. See, I can easily make it a 7,000 yeah, what, 5,000 company And make it a profitable company It's very easy When at a year economy level It's a, we are profitable Today Today, on a month-on-month basis We are able to generate Enough revenue and enough cash To meet the requirement Of all the driver's salary To pay for all the EMI Of the lease vehicles To pay for all our charging expense And the infrared rent Everything hmm. Your capacity you break-even Exactly. And despite that, we are making some profit also on the operational level to pay for some of the fixed cost on the salary part of the technology team with RT. That's what we are done. If you just continue it, we can make a profitable company by having a five to But that's not our vision is. Our vision is we are here to be the leader in the EV ecosystem provider. To become the leader, you need to have a significant presence in a city-by-city approach. Hence, we feel that we should be commanding about 30 to 40% market share of this business. Whether it's a business of delivery or any use case. Delivery is just a use case that we are taking now. But as as air flows, battery prices come down you will see more use case coming and be ready for the EV adoption. And we have no innovation into going into new use case. So we are not married to a delivery. We are married to electrification of the, of, 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 of the use case, right? Right, right, right. So a lot of capital is goes in there. That's the part in terms of vehicle deployment and the infra development part of it. Second part is we only have small tech team. We only have 15 teams based out of Bangalore. It is led by Governor Science 2004 batch. IIT, I, I am left on a gold medalist, ex-Mesho, ex-Google, one of the best, uh, one of the best product managers in the country. She has building the entire product roadmap. We have to support her with 80 member technology team. So a lot of money will go in terms of development of all the data science, uh, machine learning, AI and all. So we want to be a new age company and not become a logistics company. We are not solving the logistics problem because I think logistic problem has been solved by other companies. The problem that we are solving is the electrification problem. How do we accelerate the EV adoption in the country? That is the problem that we are solving. And whatever we need to have work upon the solution, we will work upon the solution. Right. So that's where, 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 where we are. So this is called big ecosystem play and technology is a big enabler. And that's why we are investing. And the reason why we are a loss making company today. Because we're investing a lot in terms of technology development. That's time, right? And that's why we would be a loss-making company for the next two, three years till we achieve that scale and our world technology to develop. All revenue, full revenue stream I talked about is stabilized and, and we are able to get good healthy revenue and good margin. So we definitely want to be a profitable company, but we want to be a profitable company at scale. And be the number one leader in the EV space in this ecosystem. That is what we aspire for. You've raised uh, what about 6.5 six
0: million so far, right?
1: No, actually, We have raised about 40 crores, 40 cro- 45 crores of real life. So that will be about $5 million. Okay.
0: And this has been from whom? Like how did the fundraise happen? By virtue of both of you, the fundraise would not have been so difficult, right?
1: It is not very like- difficult. It has not been difficult. I, I told you the first, so we have done in tranches. We only raise funds when we need it. And we only raise the amount which we actually need it. Because of the confidence that we have that we'll get money, we have access to capital any day we want to access the capital. So we want to also, the way we want to, you know, uh, give the equity also in a phase wise manner. So when we raised round one, which was like pre-revenue. We raised about 5 crores at about pre-money, 40 crores. And those were largely from individual friend, friends and families, right? All the people I know in It was very, very easily we got it. In July, we raised about 11.2 crores. That was also with largely in family offices. We raised about, at the admission, about 112.5 crores pre-money. And then now in November, December, we raised about 25 crores. And at a valuation of pre-money of 250 crores. This has also got HNI's and the family offices. We have raised, we spent half of money still with us. So we can easily go for, depending on how fast or slow you want to go, we can pace it down. But I think every quarter we want to raise some money and we will keep increasing our numbers to give belief to the existing customers. I guess uh, uh, one year down the line, you'll need to do one big
0: headline-grabbing kind of fundraise, right? Because once the four-wheeler opportunity, you feel confident that, yes, four-wheeler supply is reliable, then, then that would, essentially, then that would be the only thing that you're waiting for. Once you're confident of that, then you can just press the pedal and go all out.
1: You're right. So, see, in our next 12 to 15 months, we will need about 20 to $25 million. Now, whether we get this 20 to $25 million in one go, or we get in two different branches or three different branches. I don't know. But that is the capital we need to go by what we want to achieve. And I'm pretty confident that the interest that I see, especially in foreign investors in the A V space is huge. They want to work with mature people and who understand the sector Now, all. That is a they get from us. And only thing that... Big capital is waiting for is some kind of traction. Yeah, 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 yeah. be something you can't can't expedite, right? So that's what we are waiting for. They are all in touch with us. We we are in touch with them. So I am pretty confident that this sector is very demanding. There are capitals, millions of dollars of capital, which is waiting to enter into the sector. If you can curate a business, with an ecosystem approach, with a strong technology foundation, with a really clear path to profitability, I think access to those capital should not be up. Tell me about how you built out a crack team, like you have some very
0: great people in your team. How did you do that?
1: So one thing I realized in my 20 years of professional journey, the success of any dream and converting the dream to reality is completely dependent on only one thing. And one thing is the strong team. So I have been very selective in choosing the EV100, like the first hundred members of my team, so that they are capable to take this company to wherever the company wants to grow. You know, some people advise us if you are too early at stage to grow your company at this space. You need to hire this. take more responsibility yourself. My idea is that if I am working on the day-to-day issues, then probably I have not done the team building correct. If I am focusing on developing the technology roadmap, everyday basis, I have not done the job. If I am talking about business development or daily basis, I have not built my day. If I am talking about operations. So every element of this, I think in that way. If I am working and I am overworked, that means my team is under-resourced and under So our principle has been over-hiring and we are hiring for the future of growth, future of growth, not like just meeting the current requirements. That's number two. Third, in our network, I have worked in our energy industry for the last four, five years and electric vehicle has been a recent phenomenon. So it's not that if you ask me whether as a McKinsey consultant, was I advising future of mobility is electric vehicle? I was not talking about that because I didn't see that happening. It's all started happening from 2015 onwards and the last five years has picking a very fast pace. And luckily my journey in electric vehicles started in that phase in India only. So everyone who is working in the electric vehicle space in countries somehow knows me and I know them. So I know who are the good people, which company I've been observing them personally in various things. So I've reached out to all of them and so far I have uh, I have got 100% traction on all the top leadership part. Whosoever asked to come and join with me, they have all come and joined with me. Okay. And what about drivers? How do
0: you attract drivers? Because that will become a key challenge, right? If you want to like hit that 7,500 number, then how will you get so many drivers?
1: See, initially we thought it a very easy problem to solve. And we signed the contract with all the manpower agencies. And they said they will provide the uh, driver on time. Okay,
0: team yeah. like and these kind of Exactly, exactly.
1: Big okay. force, team leads, uh, better plays. When you realize, they are completely disconnected with the game. account. They don't even know what is the real thing that they, they bother. If you ask any of those players, what is the real thing they bother, they will say more money. But if actually, it's not what they are looking for is a very stable kind of company. Second, what they are looking for is a very consistent kind of company. So as a company principle, we have said every 10th of the month, they will get salary. Like we all our employees get a salary on a certain date. Every driver of us will get a salary on 10th or one day before, but not on 11th. Second, we will not have any this whole debit system, this penalty, that penalty, and all these things, where a driver never knows how much money he is to make after the month. He can see on the app how much money he is going to make at the end of the month. And he'll get exactly the same amount on 10th of every month.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like complete transparency and in Complete calculation. transparency, calculations, and complete transparency on timing. Those two has helped uh, two two factors will work in our favor in terms of attracting the people and we the first drivers that we hired they have become our champions of saying oh this is the company they don't ask me to work you know, too much of overtime they give you a certain time every day same place based on your home location so that is something that is working the word of mouth is working in our favor and uh, that's how retention we are able to retain our drivers in a very good way and also, we are able to give them career progressive opportunity by them not only becoming a driver. If they want to become a driver, that's fine. They can have a better work life balance. But if you want to progress in life and they want to become a driver owner, we also bring them facilitate to make it happen. Because for me, sustainable mobility has no meaning unless it is backed by a sustainable level, livelihood of those driver communities. In India, unfortunately, a driver is often often a very neglected and, you know, harassed community. If you go to talk to any, I'm not naming online Uber such, such, but I'm saying, if you talk to any online Uber driver, you will not find a single happy driver. They always feel they are cheated. They always feel they are, all the payment is non-transparent. And they always feel feel what company has committed was always a overcommitment, and they always under deliver. Now I don't want to go into details of what went wrong in there, but I'm just it's just the sy- symptoms I'm telling which I get because as a part of I don't drive, so I always take a hour, Uber or Blue mm-hmm. squad depending on the city I am. And my favorite type of, part is the driver. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that's where I get all the insights on human economics, what's happening in the industry. All my insights is based on those interviews with the drivers. My, the impact that I want to create is not only on the environment part, but the impact I want to create is also on the people's life. Especially who are down to that, especially with the lower strata of income. Those are the people I really want to make a difference. Jordan, what is
0: the role of uh, data and machine learning in the business, like one part, obviously you told me is to make drivers perform better. What else?
1: So there are four kind of data uh, that we use. One is on the vehicle, on a toolkit part, right? So unless you collect the data on, so we put our own hardware and we collect the vehicle data in terms of speed, location, and a lot of battery data like state of the charge. Now, typically, if you book a Uber, the or Uber? essentially does is it matches the demand with the supply, right? And that's how the GFL thing is done. In our algorithm, the way we want to do the allocation of the trip is based on the supply of the vehicle and the driver, demand location, and the state of the charge of the vehicle. And based on the state of charge of the vehicle, we want to decide that it should go for delivery or it should go for charging stations. Unless you have data that comes from the vehicle, you will not be able to do that. So the operational efficiency becomes a very important part of it. That's number one part of it. Second part is on the vehicle maintenance part of it, right? Now, vehicle gives a lot of signal how the battery is degrading, how the uh, is performing and all. And it will give you signals in terms of whether the vehicle is ready for going for vehicle maintenance or not. So that what maintenance and settling, what preventing a battery, we want to do the data that's on the vehicle side. I also talked about in terms of a multi-stakeholder platform where we want to share the data of vehicle and the driver to the financiers, to the insurance, to make sure that we are able to reduce the risk from the, that's a multi-stakeholder part. Third is on the network development. Let's say we apply to a to, 200 vehicles in Delhi NCR. Now, right now, one way of finding the charging for location intelligence is one, well, we have taken this where the demand is, right? For example, uh, okay, if there's an Amazon Flipkart warehouse there, we are going to put a charging for there. But let's say I have a data of how, how what is the trip profile of 2,000 vehicles that is running on the Delhi NCR on a daily basis. And if you map that trip profile, you will say which of the red zone, which are the green zone, which is the orange zone. The red zone is where the vehicle is strong. You would be the maximum, whether it's going from Delhi to... Like uh, heat map. Heat map. Heat map, exactly. So based on the heat map, you decide what is the right place to put the charging. Right? Otherwise, I otherwise, like other CPUs, you blindly find a place and you put a charging reference and say, please come and use our charging infra because the no is using. So we, we want to be electric vehicle. We want to be a data and technology driven company. Electric vehicle generally throws more data compared to ICE vehicle, the way it is designed. And given that it is linked to a charger and charger also throws a lot of uh, data in terms of how it's charged, when it's charged and all. So if it got better, the real machine learning and AI is when you combine the data of the what's coming from vehicle, what's coming from the charger and what's coming from the driver. And you based on that, you can make some decision on what is a driver incentive program that you can design based on how the driver drives the vehicle. How can you schedule a better maintenance of the vehicle based on the data? How can you decide the algorithm and optimization route of the vehicle based on the state of the charge? How can you decide the network of building the charging infra? How can you solve for financing and insurance data? That entire thing will be based on the whole machine learning and the AI part of it.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: So uh, are you doing
0: routing yourself or is the routing done by the customer?
1: So since we are currently working with all the top brands, they already have their own routing and such a link, points, right? but right. What, but what's also happening actually is that a lot of D2C brands are coming up, right? So far, we are not focused on that, but uh, let me say that the red, red one companies are coming, a uh, lot many uh, digital companies are coming, right? They are good in terms of making a good product and they are creating a mechanism where you can order the product from the website or the app. And then they are responsible for delivery of that product to the customer. That is the part they don't know. Hence, they put all this things to Amazon or what? What we are telling them is, we will give you a solution that after the booking is made through the website, it automatically flows through our uh, our server through API integration. From that part to delivery part, we will do it. Do, we will take our entire thing for you. You focus on making the best biryani, you focus on making the best pizza. How the pizza gets delivered, how the biryani gets delivered or whatever you're making, right, gets delivered, we will take the entire responsibility into it for ourselves. So we are building that capability, that product is yet not not yet out, but the the idea is we want to reduce the friction of our customers to switch to electric as much as possible. What do you think
0: is the role of government in helping you reach the 1 billion top-line target that you
1: have? That's a huge thing, right? For the last two, three years, central government has uh, come up with FAME2 policy, which talks about giving subsidy of 10,000 crores to the segment. And we are already a beneficiary. Whenever we purchase a new vehicle, we are getting the FAME2 subsidy for us. On top of that, there are states like Delhi government and Maharashtra government who are giving. On top of that fiscal incentives, but more important, they are giving non-fiscal incentives by giving a mandate to the aggregators to switch to electric. Now Delhi government has come up with saying that by March 2023, 25% of the aggregator and fleet should be electric. That aggregator means the good I so aggregator means anyone who is using an app that ensures a people or a product gets delivered from point A to point B. If you integrate that, it means it's Ola, Uber, Zomato, Swiggy, Domino's, Pizza, any app. Okay, what Zomato does? Zomato ensures a product gets delivered from point A to point B. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or even, let's like, say, portal. Portal, portal is sure. So all, all this has to avoid by this, right? Now, you have so much of supply constraint, so much of expertise missing in the sector and government puts a mandate, it will speed up the process. Because so far, at least some of them have been lingered, like Flipkart, Amazon. We will see where it comes to it. So we want to do so that government push on the mandate front is going to be a big enabler. And the subsidy they're providing they're on the charging, for, uh, they're providing subsidy. Uh, they are allowing the electric vehicles to enter into the special zone where the typical diesel vehicle is not allowed. These are all small things that matter. And it creates a barrier for ICE vehicle to operate in a seamless manner as compared to filter vehicles. I think the way Delhi government is pushing, the Mayastra government is pushing, Telangar is pushing, we we'll see that these are the states who will lead the EV adoption. And the good part is that we are already present in these states. So we are already your beneficiaries and will continue to be beneficiaries for a scale-up for that. So, we want to continue the momentum from a government perspective that all the central government and the state government focus should be in notification and that is required for next five years to further achieve the induction in the country.
2: If you like the Founder thesis podcast, then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books, and drama. Visit the podium.in that is, dot in for a complete list of scholarships.
0: Before we end the episode, I want to share a bit about my journey as a podcaster. I started podcasting in 2020, and in the last two years, I've had the opportunity to interview more than 250 founders who are shaping India's future across sectors. If you also want to speak to the best minds in your field and build an enviable network, then you must consider becoming a podcaster. And the first step to becoming a podcaster starts with Zencaster, which takes care of all the nuts and bolts of podcasting, from remote recording to editing to distribution and finally monetization. If you are planning to check out the platform, then please show your support for the Founder Thesis podcast by using this link zen.ai slash founder thesis. That's zen.ai slash founder thesis.